0: Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for a new day. Um, We thank you for the new grace that is available to us each day. And we ask that you would help us to see in your word the life, the light, the hope which you have for us, that we would uh, behold it, that we would uh, receive it, and that we would live lives which are changed uh, as a result of it. and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. A few weeks ago, I shared with you about this incredible meal that Lauren and I experienced in Colorado with some friends. I was preparing to celebrate communion and, and I was eager to share with you this connection that God was showing me between that food and our sermon series. But I, I think... Uh, In my excitement to tell you about tempura-battered mushrooms with a cilantro chimichurri and a garlic aioli, (laughs) that I didn't quite make the point I had intended. I'm going to give it another try this morning. That night, I was reminded of the refrain from our sermon series, Greater. Greater. You see, week after week, we have talked about how the thing which God has for us is greater than anything this world could ever offer. And that night, I experienced food that was greater than anything I had eaten for years. It was like I was tasting again for the very first time. I wonder if you've ever been there. When I have excellent food, I often wonder how it is that I so often settle for less. How is it that I am satisfied with mere Cheez Its and peanut butter when goat goat cheese filled squash blossoms exist? It's a pretty easy answer. You see, a box of Cheez Its is cheaper, it's easier to acquire. I think the same is true of the things of this world. Um, It's easy to acquire the lesser things as it relates to forgiveness and self-worth. The world's version of junk food can be found in phrases like, you are enough. Just be yourself. You're a good person. These are appealing ideas, but they ultimately ring hollow. They don't satisfy. Deep down, uh, you and I know that we cannot sustain ourselves. We know that we are not who we wish we would be many times. We know that we are flawed, sinful, in need of God's grace. But when we've tasted the bread of heaven And when we've drank from the cup of salvation and it's afresh and anew and we we really perceive it, we're reminded of how exquisite God's grace is, how much better it is than anything else this world could offer. When we recognize it fully, we realize that this is the only thing which can satisfy us and that the one who provides it deserves not just our money, but our whole selves, our whole lives, as we live in grateful response. Today, as we wrap up our sermon series on the book of Hebrews, I want to ask you one final question. When was the last time you tasted God's gourmet grace? Our final passage from the book of Hebrews is found in chapter 13. We're looking at verses 20 to 25. You can turn with me there if you'd like in one of the blue Bibles in your seats, and we'll also put the verses on the screen. Um, In in this passage, there are two components. There's a blessing and a final greeting. And so to keep things interesting, uh, I want to look at them in reverse order. We'll start in verse 22. It says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters... Bear with my word of exhortation. For I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. I don't know about you, but I tend to gloss over these final salutations in the New Testament epistles. Much like I gloss over the genealogies in the Old Testament, thinking that there's not much I can acquire from them or gain from them in terms of knowledge or faith. But these sections are vitally important because they show us that this is a real letter written to real people. Uh, Throughout this sermon series, uh, Britt, Joel, and I have... um, made a lot of jokes about how the fact that the author, in his estimation, has written briefly. But my wife um, has helped me to see that this is way funnier to me, Britt, and Joel than it is to anyone else. (laughs) This week, as I read it slowly, though, I saw it in a new light. Um, I see in the author some tenderness here. He's trying not to burden his people. The the message translation of the Bible says it this way. I've kept this as brief as possible. I haven't piled on a lot of extras. There's a Spanish translation I like to use in my study called Dios habla hoy. And it says it this way. Les ruego que reciban con paciencia estas pocas palabras de aliento which roughly translates, I beg you to receive with patience these words of life-giving breath. And so we see that the author of Hebrews is not pedantic, but pastoral. His mention of Timothy's imprisonment and being released is a reminder to us of how costly faith was in that day, in that time something that could cause one to be imprisoned or even killed. You can imagine the reader's uh, sense of levity, of joy, at hearing that Timothy was to be released. And in these final comments to greet the leaders among them, as well as the believers, we see that the author desires to be known and to know those who is pastoring. It's a good reminder for us for how to love and serve those that God has entrusted to our care. The effect of remarks like this, then, is to remind us that this is not a letter comprised of hollow words or abstract principles. It's a letter where each word has been carefully chosen, carefully given by the Holy Spirit through the author to speak to the real challenges of real people. And the beautiful thing of inspiration is that 2,000 years later, these words can speak to our very real challenges as well. And so this morning, I want to remind you you are not alone. Press on, hold fast to the message of grace. Now let's double back and look at verses 20 to 21. you will likely recognize that this is the prayer of blessing we have been praying at the end of our service for the last 15 weeks. And if you're really astute, you may have noticed that on one occasion, I referred to Jesus as that great shepherd of the (laughs) sheep. I put an S on the end of the word sheep. That's pretty hard to do when you're in the middle of a blessing to like recover from that. While I'm tempted to remind you that there are times when it's appropriate to refer to things as fishes, for example, I have to admit that I botched it. But now that I've addressed the sheep in the room, let's jump in. Like most prayers of blessing, Hebrews 13, 20 to 21 addresses who, what, and how. The prayer reminds us who we've put our trust in. It's the God of peace who brought Jesus back from the dead. It's Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. Throughout the book, the author has effectively demonstrated that God the Father has gone to great lengths to achieve for humanity peace with himself and with one another. Moreover, the author has helped us to see that this peace was costly. To obtain our peace with God, Jesus, the good shepherd, took upon himself the wrath of God against sin. He laid his life down that you and I might take ours up. And the father honored him by bringing him back from the dead. I know you've heard this a million times, but it's amazing that the God who has the power to raise Jesus from the dead also has the goodwill to give us new life in Christ. And this is the one we pray to so we can pray with expectation that he hears us and that he will accomplish in us that which is most important In the middle of the blessing, we see the the what. We see what the author is praying for on behalf of the hearers. I mean, this is the conclusion of the entire letter in the words that follow. May God equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. His chief prayer for these people, and by extension for you and for me, is not their prosperity. Did you catch that? He, he prays good things for them, but he prays good things for them not as the end, but a means to an end, that they might honor God and do his will. As one of your pastors, this is my prayer for you also. Not that everything would go well for you, that life would be easy, or that you would be wildly successful, but that you would take hold each day of the grace which God has made available to you, that you would serve him with deep gratitude, knowing that he is the one who sustains you, even in the midst of a drought. And why do I pray that way? Because I know this is the only way you will be satisfied. To quote the Westminster Confession and discourse some points with Joel, "The chief end of your life is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever." So may God work in us that which is pleasing in His sight. Finally, the blessing addresses how. How can this be? How can we possibly do God's will? In case we somehow missed it to this point, the author reminds us that peace with God cannot be achieved through our efforts. You and I can never do enough. We will never be enough on our own to honor God as he deserves. But... Through Jesus, by the blood of the eternal covenant, we can enjoy relationship with God. And we can live in a way which honors him. The question is, if that eternal covenant is available, have you entered into it? Have you said yes to the invitation to surrender to God's grace and to receive a Long, lifelong, incredible um, restored relationship with God. If not, don't delay. The table of the Lord's mercy is here and now. I'd like to close uh, by making an observation about the gospel passage we just read from John chapter four. We read the tail end of a story uh, where Jesus uh, spoke to the Samaritan woman. Uh, In the story, Jesus extended love, grace, and an invitation to be satisfied, to no longer thirst, to a woman who had been an outcast. She's so overjoyed by this interaction with Jesus that she goes out and she tells everybody she knows to come and see the man who, in her words, told me everything I ever did. And at her testimony, the people come. And see, I love the concluding line of the story. You see, the people come up to the woman. They find her and they say this to her. It's no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. (laughs) You see, I can tell you that tempura-battered mushrooms are delicious, that Sally, uh, that, um, oh, goodness, Molly, my bad, that Molly's cinnamon rolls are divine. But until you've tasted them, you really don't know. And so, so let me ask you this question again that we started with. When's the last time you tasted God's gourmet grace? I understand that's an abstract question. Maybe you're asking yourself this morning, how do I do that? You start by confessing your need for God's help. Then you recognize that just as the author of Hebrews has thoroughly developed, Jesus is greater than anything or anyone else. You ask him to help you surrender. You ask him to help you to hear, to see, to taste that he is in fact the bread of heaven and the cup of salvation. And so whether for the first or the hundredth time this morning, I pray that you experience God's grace as the greatest food you've ever had and that you and I would stop settling for anything less. So as we prepare to come to the table, let's receive once more the invitation we read many weeks back from Hebrews chapter four. Uh, if you'd like to close your eyes, it um, could be helpful as you respond to the Lord. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's great throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace gourmet grace to help us in our time of need. Let's pray. Lord, we recognize our need for you. We thank you for the reminder um, that you are able to bring Jesus back from the dead and so you are able to transform our lives that we might please you, honor you, love you with all that we are and all that we do. Lord, we are not enough, but you are. Um, and what you have is greater than anything else we could seek elsewhere. And so I just pray um, by your spirit, God, we, we can't manufacture it. Um, <laughs> I can't even adequately describe it, Lord. But I pray that you would help each and every one of us to experience the grace, the love, the mercy, and the transformation of your life in ours today and always. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.